1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. And in the uh, meantime, last week we spoke about um, verses 1 through 20. And in those verses, we highlighted God's sovereignty in the life of uh, Elkanah, uh, Hannah, and then also Samuel. Now we're going to flip that coin over and we're going to look at the backside of uh, God's faith or, or of God's sovereignty. And, and that is God's faithfulness. Uh, anytime God's sovereignty is, is seen, we also see his faithfulness that goes along with it. And we are blessed because of it. So we're going to devote our time talking about how God is faithful today. First uh, Samuel chapter one, verses 21 through 28 it says the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until, he, until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah, or ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh, my Lord, as you live, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in, the, in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Amen. So as I said, today's focus is God's faithfulness. And when we look at faithfulness, um, first of all, from a creature-to-creature aspect, faithfulness is very important considering when we consider personal relationships. Um, it's, it's not a good idea to get into a relationship, uh, friendship, or any other type of relationship with someone who is not faithful or at least tries to be faithful to you. And from a human perspective, uh, faithfulness is a very important aspect to relationships but one thing that we all notice and that we are all aware of is that, that no matter how faithful we try to be, we, we fall short and we hurt other people sometimes. But what we know from God's word and also from God's character and how he has interacted with his world or this world, uh, we know that, that God is the only one who is truly faithful. And for us, that is a blessing Uh, to worship a God who is not only sovereign, but completely faithful to us. And as I said, we strive to be faithful to the people that that we love. Uh, We strive to be faithful to our spouse, our our church, our friends, and that list can go on and on, even to our favorite sports team, right? Go Cowboys. Try to be faithful to them. But no matter how faithful we are to these important people or these important things in our lives, our faithfulness wavers from time to time. And I will be a perfect example of that. Speaking of the Cowboys, every year the season starts, I'm like, go Cowboys, we're going to the Super Bowl. By the end of the year, I'm like, I'm never watching a game again. And then it starts over the next year again. You know, so 
we, no matter how, how, how hard we tried to be faithful, um, our faithfulness to one another is marred by sin. And even God, our faithfulness to God, because we are commanded in God's word, that is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and, and, and soul. But yet, that, our, our service to the Lord is stained by sin. Uh, we, we want to be faithful to him. We should be faithful to him completely. But we know on this side of heaven, we cannot. But thank God that he is faithful to us every single day. Praise God for that. See, our text today shows us that, um, it shows us, first of all, that God, yes, he is faithful, but I'd like to show you in which in, and how he is faithful. First of all, he's faithful to himself. That's one thing that we have to recognize. God is faithful to himself. Um, and then also God is faithful to us as his people. And then in return, God desires us to be faithful to him or to, for us to grow in faithfulness towards him. So those are the three things that I want to talk to you about. So let's start with God is faithful to himself. You see, in our passage, we see how the Lord of hosts, how he orchestrated all the events that took place in um, Hannah and Samuel's life. And as these things unfolded, we see that it was very humbling. As we're reading this, it's very humbling to see um, how sovereign the Lord is and, and, and how he interacts with this creation. And it's very humbling because we know that, that the Lord doesn't only do that in the Bible and like he stopped after the Bible was put together. We know that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So it's very humbling to see how the Lord's sovereignty is not only over the lives of biblical characters, biblical people, but also over our lives as well. We think that we, we, we chart our own path. We think we have our own way. But we need to realize that it's the Lord who's directing our steps all along. And when we think about that and his influence and his sovereignty over our lives, it is, it is very humbling. Um, and, and, and it's humbling so much so that it makes us wonder why. It makes us wonder why because, and let me ask you this, have you ever wondered, Lord, why me? For, for anything, but especially for salvation, especially for you to be part of his church. Why, why me? Why did you save me? Not only that, but why did you bless me? I look around, I see my family, I see my church, I see what the Lord has given me, and it's just like, why? Why did you bless me so much? Why did you choose me and use me to serve you? We all realize there's nothing that I can offer you that you don't already have. Nothing, nothing at all. And Lord, by the way, the best of what I have to give to you, it's stained by sin. Why me, Lord? Well, the answer to that has little to do with you, but everything to do with God's faithfulness to himself. Has everything to do with that. You are a vessel. God loves you. He's using you. God is working his best for you. But all that falls under God's faithfulness to himself. And when we look at God's faithfulness to himself within this passage, uh, we see how his sovereign activity compelled Hannah uh, to, number one, yearn for a son, but then we see something extraordinary. 
the, the son that she yearned for, she was compelled to give to him. Now, last week we talked about the sovereignty aspect of how all this happened, but let's talk about the faithfulness aspect of, of, of it all. You see, all her life, Hannah's burning desire was to have a child, especially a son. And we see in the text last week, verses 1 through 20, she prays specifically for a son. There was important reason for that. Uh, she, wanted, she wanted a son to carry on the family name. You know, she wanted a son to establish uh, her own family for generations to come. So she prayed for a son. And this was a burning desire because, number one, she wanted to be a mother. This was her natural motherly instinct. But also, it came from the fact that she could not have any children at all. It wasn't as if she had three or four girls and then she's just praying for a son. She was barren. Her womb was barren. And she, she desired to have children. And we talked about last week how it was considered a great humiliation for her. For, for her womb to be barren. But little did she know, little did she know that what this, this shame that she had, that she carried around with her all along, God would use it for her good and his glory. Little did she know. She had no idea as she was praying to him as she suffered year after year after year. God would take her greatest sorrow and make it the greatest offer of mercy to her. Now, I think that's wonderful because as we look at this story, the same is true for us as his children. Every single one of us has a great sorrow in our lives. We've struggled with something. We've been humiliated by something. And God has taken our greatest humiliation and used it to bring us to the foot of the cross. That's how we all got there. And no one got there with life being good. No one got there knowing the right answers. We, 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 we crawled our way through the cross. We laid our life down at the foot of the cross, begging for Christ to forgive us and to save us. God made us aware that we were horrible sinners in need of a savior. That's the only way we can come to him realizing that. You see, so we're just like Hannah in a sense where we have this shame upon us and God showed, he showed us our shame and we, we, we came to him humbled and we asked for forgiveness. And we pledged our allegiance, we pledged our life to Christ at the foot of the cross. And even now, as we look at our lives, he keeps us at the foot of the cross. He keeps us there. He, keep us, he keeps us humbled. We don't ever leave the foot of the cross. We don't ever walk away from it. We don't, ever, we, we don't venture away because that's where we need to be. He humbles us throughout this life. We deal with difficult things, but we remain at the foot of the cross by God's grace. That is his faithfulness, being, his faithfulness to himself being displayed in our lives. Listen to this out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what Paul said about God's grace and mercy. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that a beautiful picture of us? God's power is made perfect in weakness. We are the perfect example of weakness. God is the perfect, the perfect example of power. His power is made perfect in us in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, not only would God give Hannah a son, but in the midst of her misery, she would come to know him as the Lord of hosts. She would come to know him as mighty king, mighty warrior. That's the way she addressed him in her prayer as she prayed for a son. But she would not only come to that conclusion, but in her prayer, she would ask for a son in order to give this son back to him as an act of worship. Let's turn there and let's read that passage. Verses 21 and 22, chapter 1 still. So the man Okana and his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. That was her intention. After she had prayed, God granted her prayer. He gave her a son. She had vowed to the Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him to you. She never wavered from that. This was an act of worship from her. We see God's faithfulness and then we see, we see a human trying to be faithful to God. That's a beautiful picture of the interaction that takes place between God and his creatures. See, after the child was weaned, and to be weaned means to be basically off a of solid food. So when he was about three years old, or excuse me, not off of solid food, but off of breast milk to solid food. So when he was about three years old, she took him to the temple where he would learn to serve the Lord as priest, as a priest all the days of his life. Look, I'm here to tell you there is no way that happens unless God enter. No way that happens. I shared with y'all last week our difficulty in having children, and, and I've been there praying for a child. And I'll tell you this, the last thing that I thought of was, Lord, give me a child so I can drop him off somewhere to be with people he does not know so that he can serve you and learn to, to be a, a priest for you in the temple. Like when you get that child, it's like you are so grateful to the Lord. But that child, that child is a wonderful blessing. And you you want to hold that child as much as you can, as long as you can. But Hannah prayed for a child. So that she could give that child back to her, back to back to God. And I, the reason why I say that doesn't happen without God Yes, we see the sovereignty in it, but, but let's ask why. Why is Hannah doing that, and why is God allowing her to do that? 
Why did God move in her heart to number one, pray for a child, and then number two, give that child back to him? It goes back to God's faithfulness to himself. It goes back to that. It goes back to the overall plan of humanity, the overall or plan for humanity, the overall plan and will of God to bring about everything, everything in in, in creation, to bring that under his will, to bring that to a definite end, to fulfill all the promises he has made. He looked down at Hannah And he used her as his vessel to make that happen. You see, God is completely faithful. Yes, and we like to look at that and we say, man, God is faithful to us. But we have to recognize God is faithful to himself. So what does that mean for us? So when we look at the Bible, when we read about his promises, when we read his word, We need to come to the conclusion that God will not fail himself. Ever. That's why what what God says is true. What God does or says he will do will come to pass. We will benefit from it. Because God is faithful to us. But that's not why it's coming to pass. It's happening because God is faithful to himself first and foremost. You see, that's important when we look at our world today. Because as we look at our world today, we think everything is falling apart. But we have to look at it through biblical lens and we have to see for ourselves that God will not fail himself. And that no matter what our temporary eyes see with our temporary vision, No matter what they see, we need to remember God will not fail himself. He will fulfill his promises. Christ will come back. And let me tell you, that's very important because I am grateful that God is not faithful to us first and foremost, depending on how we are faithful to him. Because if that were true, Christ wouldn't be coming back. Why? Because we don't deserve it. But God has made a promise. And he has said, I will not fail myself. What I have said will come to pass. You see, when we look at Hannah's life, she had no idea what was happening. All she knew is that she wanted a son. Then all she knew was that she wanted to give that son to the Lord. Not in a way where she was a robot and God's pulling her strings and she has no choice in the matter. No, not in that way. Hannah wanted to give the Lord a son as an act of worship to him. Why? Because she recognized the Lord as the Lord of hosts. She recognized her God. And she was compelled in her heart to give her son as service to him. But then on the flip side, when we talk about God's faithfulness to himself in this passage, we also see how his sovereign activity set Samuel aside to serve him. So 
God's faithfulness to himself is not only seen in, in Hannah's act of praying for a child and giving that child to him, but also on Samuel's side. See, as God determined to use, as God had determined to use Hannah to be his vessel of mercy for Israel as a mother, he in turn used Samuel to be his vessel of mercy to Israel as a prophet, as a priest, and as a judge. See, every parent, every parent in here knows that no matter how well you raise your child in the fear of the Lord, there is no guarantee that they will love the Lord. No guarantee at all. There's no guarantee that your child will follow him all the days of their lives. At least from our perspective. We cannot know that. God has already determined that. That's why he knows that. But for us, we do not know it's been revealed. It has not been revealed to us that that will happen. So we do our best to raise our children in the fear of the Lord. But there is no guarantee that they will love the Lord or follow him. And after we raise our children and after they are out of our homes, we continue to help them with godly wisdom and, and, and prayer. We never stop praying for our children because Although their lives are out of our hands, we recognize that they are never out of the Lord's hands. Well, I want to bring that back to Hannah and Samuel. You see, even though Hannah was faithful in giving Samuel to the Lord, there was no guarantee that Samuel was going to accept his lot in life. Imagine your parents picking out what you were going to do for a living. You had no choice in the matter. How well would that work for you? Before he could even decide what he wanted to do, his mother had already prayed about it and made a promise to God. There's, no, there, there's nothing in Scripture that says that Samuel was displeased with what his mother had done. There's nothing in scripture that shows Hannah as a horrible mother for doing what she did. In fact, it is a wonderful uh, act of worship. That's the way scripture portrays it. Parents, I don't have to tell you, that's an act of God as well, right? For that child to not have any problem with his life already, his life and what he would do already being determined for him. As we see God working in the heart of Hannah, we also see him working in the heart of Samuel. To, 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 to bless Israel with the calling that he has for his life. You see, we see him here as the Lord of hosts again, and we see his greatness. We see his greatness working in, in their lives. And listen, he does the same in our life. Who you are, what you do. And the Lord of hosts has compelled you to do this for him. Samuel served the Lord because the Lord himself compelled and sustained Samuel to serve him. And we ask why again? Because God was being faithful to himself. Have you ever wondered why or how you've been a Christian so long? 
I, I love Paul's answer to this. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 through 10. This is what Paul says, the Apostle Paul. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. I love that. Paul, we look at Paul, we're like, he's the greatest apostle. He's like, no, I am the least of the apostles. And then he gives the reason why. He says, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But this is how he ends that statement. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that moves me. That really gets me because I feel the same way. Those questions that I brought up to you earlier, why me, Lord? I think that every single day of my life. Why me? See, we can all say that by the grace of God, we are what we are. See, although we may not know what the Lord is doing through us, we may not know what the Lord is doing with us, we may not know how things are going to end, we, we don't know how our lives are going to go, what we're going to suffer through, what we're going to go through. We, we don't know any of that. But we can always know without a shadow of, the doubt, of a doubt. We can always know that God will be faithful to himself. That means we are blessed by his faithfulness to himself. He will not fail us at all. And no matter what we go through, we can take comfort in knowing that yes, while we are here, we may have trouble, but God has overcome the world. I don't know about you, but that sure gives me peace. That sure gives me comfort. But then let's talk about the other side of that, where God is not only faithful to himself. Secondly, he's faithful to his people. See, God's faithfulness to his people is seen in our story by his sovereign activity of, number one, establishing Israel as an earthly kingdom. Number two, dealing mercifully with their sins. And number three, saving a remnant for himself. Romans 9 verses 4 through 5 says this about the Israelites. They are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promise. To them belong the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. When you look at that, that is a wonderful blessing that a, a, a nation received. God elected, saved, chose, whatever you want to say about Israel, God saved them. He chose them. They were his people. But despite all these blessings, the Israelites were unfaithful in worshiping God as he had commanded. They were considered lawbreakers. And we go through the Old Testament as we go through 1 Samuel, we're going to see that. And that's been the history of mankind. When it comes to God, we are lawbreakers. We are no different than them. If it weren't for God's faithfulness to us, 
we ourselves would be sheep without a shepherd. See, God's faithfulness to his people is extremely evident when we look at the birth of Samuel. You see, when we see and when we look at the birth of Samuel, we will see that God is fulfilling his promises for the nation of Israel from the very beginning. And we're going to see that he has what he has promised, it will come through because he is not going to fail them as a people. Uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. Save your place there in 1 Samuel chapter 1, but turn with me to Genesis 15. This is extremely important. Number one, highlighting God's faithfulness to himself, but then also God's faithfulness to his people. This is God speaking with Abraham and God promising Abraham what is being carried out or what is being displayed for us here in 1 Samuel. Chapter 15, verse 12 says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But... I will bring judgment on the nations that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. And for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between two or these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying to your offspring, I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he goes and he lists all the different places that they would possess. All the different people that they would defeat all the different things that God would give them. You see, although the Israelites were given the first promises and the blessings of the Bible, because of God's faithfulness to his people, we see that it is, Romans 9 verse 8 says, it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise. They are the ones who are counted as offspring. Who are the children that are promised if it isn't us? As we know, the church is in view here. Hannah's barrenness, when we look at that and we relate it to God's faithfulness to us, Hannah's barrenness illustrated Israel's powerlessness to save themselves. There was no way that they could save themselves. There was nothing that they could do. And they proved it over and over and over again. All they were were lawbreakers. As Hannah's womb couldn't bring forth children until God intervened, Israel couldn't bring forth, excuse me, Israel could not provide a faithful servant until God intervened and sent his son. You 
You see, God's faithfulness to himself is that, for us, is that we were given the law. We were told to follow the law. We were told to live according to God's word. We could not do that. So out of God's faithfulness to us, he did it for us. He followed the law. He sent his son. His son died on the cross. He took our shame. He took our sin. And he gave us his righteousness. So that we could be sinless before God. The faithfulness of the Lord has resulted in grace to us. And this is what the Bible says. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. Brothers and sisters, we are that remnant chosen by grace. We are those people, or we are the people of God. We are the benefactors of Jesus' death on the cross. God has been faithful to us. He has been faithful to his promise to save us, to never leave us, and never, never forsake us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 4 says this, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that is given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this, who will sustain you to the end Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful. By whom you were called into fellowship of his son, into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, as we live, as we die. In the world that we live in today. As we go about our lives, we must remember that God is completely faithful to us. The promises he has made, he will fulfill through his son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want us to think about this as we as we as we sin. As we sin, we we display how unfaithful we are to God, but yet God continues to be faithful to us. The favor of the Lord is a real thing. There are a lot of people who don't teach on it correctly. There are a lot of people who abuse the favor of the Lord, but the favor of the Lord is a real thing. You know how I know? Because you are his people and you are blessed. I am his and I am blessed. God has given me grace. God has given me mercy. God has given you grace. God has given you mercy. What you have, you don't deserve. That is the favor that God gives to his people. So as we sin, we have forgiveness. As we suffer loss, we have comfort. As we go through uncertainty, God holds us still and gives us a solid foundation in Christ. As we go through hardships, we are promised that they're temporary and what we have ahead and what, we, what is permanent is greater than the hardships we face today. We have pain, but yet we know we have and serve a great healer. We suffer persecution, 
but we know we are not abandoned. We go through sickness and death, and yet there's this hope that when we close our eyes for the final time here on earth, we will open them in heaven. Man, it is a wonderful thing. God is so faithful to us. And we do not deserve any of it. See, none of these things that I mention here, sin, suffering, uncertainty, hardship, pain, persecution, none of this stuff can separate us from the love and faithfulness of God. So let's close with this. Knowing that God is faithful to himself and that God is faithful to us, we must know that God desires us to be faithful to him. See, when we look at our text, we not only see that Hannah gave to the Lord, but listen, look at it very carefully. Hannah just didn't give something to the Lord and say, thank you, Lord. Number one, Hannah gave what she loved the most. She gave what she loved the most to the Lord. And number two, when she worshiped the Lord with her sacrifice, she gave more, more than what was required by the law. When we look at that, what is that? That's worshiping in truth and in spirit. So I've mentioned all these wonderful and great things about God already. How God is faithful to himself. God is faithful to us. Do y'all all agree with me that we are blessed? Can I have an amen for that? Yeah, everybody will say that. No matter what we go through, right? If you are a Christian, you recognized, you recognize that you are blessed beyond belief. Now let's talk about the other side. God is good. We know that he is good all the time. But what about us? What have we given to the Lord? Not in this. I know all is all. Everything is his. I, I know that. But yet God says. Give me your life. Give me your best. Let me ask you, what have you given to the Lord? You see, I think we can all step in the same circle of I give the Lord what I can. I give him what I can. Is that the way we should worship the Lord? Is that what the Lord requires of us? When I think about what Christ has done for us on the cross, and I think about how I serve him, that is the time that I am most grateful for what Christ has done. Because if my salvation, the blessings that I have in my life, 
If they were dependent on my service to the Lord, I'd be poor and pitiful. I would have no hope. But because of what Christ has done for me, I know that his his blood covers that sin, but yet there's still this yearning in my heart to do more. There should be a yearning in our hearts to do more for the Lord. God desires us to be faithful to him. I've already highlighted we cannot be completely faithful to God. Why? Because we deal with sin. But here is the kicker. Here is what we have to focus on as his people. We need to grow in faithfulness to him. We need to grow in faithfulness to him. But what are we worried about? Is that really on our minds? What are we worried about? We're worried about retirement. We, we want our 401k to grow. That's what we're worried about. We want that to grow. We want our families to grow. Yeah, because we, we want children. We want those children to have children and so on and so on. We want that to happen. Not only our our. our our retirement to grow, but we want our money to grow that we live with here and now. We want our income to grow. And we work and work and work and work until that happens. We want our church to grow, but many times for the wrong reasons. We want our budget here at the church to grow for the same things. I could go on and on and on about how and what we want to grow but are we really thinking about the Lord? Are we really thinking about how we can grow in faithfulness to him? Are we striving for that? You see, Hannah made a vow to the Lord in verse 11. And we talked about that last week, this vow that she made to the Lord. I'm going to reread it for you. As she prayed to the Lord, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. That is the vow that she vowed to the Lord. And then we find out at the end of that section of passage, verse 20, that she conceived and she bore a son. Our passage today is showing us how she goes and she, she gives that child to the Lord to serve in the temple all the days of his life. And when we look at verses 24 through 28, that's exactly what we are seeing. Now, Something important that we have to know is the distinction between an oath and a vow. See, an oath was a promise, was a promise given to either God or man. And it was this promise as, almost as collateral. If I give an oath, then what I am doing is I am telling you that what I have told you I would do is being backed up by this promise I am making. 
And usually, if I didn't do it, it would be a negative thing that would happen to me. It would be a, a negative thing that would happen to me. That is an oath. See, a vow is different in that a vow was a request made to God and God alone. And a vow, when, we, when a person made a vow, what they, were, what they were doing was that they were asking God for something. And in return of him answering their prayer or giving them what they wanted, they would promise They would promise to please him. They would promise to please him in some way. When we look at what Hannah was doing, Hannah prayed for a son. And if the Lord granted her prayer, she would in turn give him back to the Lord. That's the vow that she made to God. You see, her offering, it reminded me of of, uh, Abel's offering. The Bible says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. Hannah made this vow. The Lord answered her prayer. She was faithful in giving back her son. But even beyond that, she gave more than what was expected of her. Just like Abel gave more of what was required from him. As I think about that, you know, even what Hannah did, that was a great thing, but she's not our example to follow. Neither is Abel. He's not our example to follow. Our example to follow is God himself. Because that's who he wants us to be like. God desires us to be like him. You see, God has been utterly faithful to us. But I ask you one more time, have you been faithful to God? Have you been growing in faithfulness to God? Maybe the better question is, how have you not been faithful to God? Because I can surely find a lot more answers that way than the other way. As we look at the Bible, we have to consider the marks of a true Christian. And what God has told us us in his word of how we as a people should be. Romans 11 verse 9 or Romans 12 verse 9 says this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and uh, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give, <clears throat> but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, 
but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, when we think about, well, what does it mean to be more faithful to God? That's a good start. Looking at the marks of a true Christian. See, are we being faithful to God by faithfully pursuing these things that I just read about as acts of worship to him? Are we just repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again in life? Expecting different results. What, what are we doing? You know, our lives are but vapors. Here today, gone tomorrow. Every second, every minute, what we do matters. We're either serving the Lord or we're resting in him. If we're not doing one of those two things, we're wasting time. Every year, I measure my kids. Pretty cool. And I know every, most of you have probably done this as your kids have grown up. Line them up against the doorpost, measure them out. See how fast, how much they're growing. It's amazing. Just this year, Jonah has grown six inches. Crazy. Shot up. He showed up to football season this year and coaches couldn't believe it was the same kid. But all of them, every year on their birthday, sit there, measure them. I'm going to keep that, look at that, look back on it one day. I should probably measure myself because I'm probably going the opposite way. But I look at that and it's like, it's a treasure. Thank you, Lord. I hope that I can continue to measure them until they just stop growing and they move out and they love the Lord. That's my hope. That's Alicia's hope. But as I think about that act, doing it every single year, try to do it around their birthday or so. I think about us. Spiritually speaking. If we were to line up against the doorposts we'd make a mark for our spiritual growth. I wonder what that would look like. You know, only we can answer that question. Romans 12 here talks about the marks of a true Christian. I wonder what our mark would look like. As our Heavenly Father marks us out, how much have we grown in this past year? How much have we emptied ourselves of selfishness and replaced that with worship of the Lord. And I'm not talking about behavior-based stuff. It's just what you see on the outside. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about true fruit of the Spirit, true acts of worship. As we leave here, I want you thinking about that. I think it's worth our time to look back in our life and see 
Are we growing in faithfulness towards God? Are we just busy, consumed by ourselves and what we want in life? Let's pray.